Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I love him. I can't get enough of him. Let's hear that for the next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Down goes Duffy. Oh, cold. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe there are a couple of absolutely self-involved bull artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, good to be back in your collective lives as we get ready for the monster that is UFC 290, Volkanovski versus Rodriguez coming up this weekend. Welcome in episode 420 of the Attic and Florian podcast. If you're so inclined on this 420th episode, put something in the air. Might be better for it. <laughs> We're going three wide off the top of the show today as we are joined by Big Gun Brian Petrie. And Go. man, people don't know how talented you are when it comes to your hands. I mean, we know you can pick fights, but yeah. this kid's an avid boxer. You and Ken Flo fucking geeking out in the pre-show. Yeah. Maybe boxing gloves or something? Yeah, let, me see these gloves. let me see these yeah, gloves. So I, I, uh, bye-bye. I'm little Cletorez. Uh, little Mexico's finest. So I messaged Kenny because there is a glove called Winning, Winning brand from Japan. They're one of the best. I've had a few pair before. I messaged him. I wanted a green pair, green or hard. They're a custom color. So I was like, Ken Flo, you said you got to connect. He hooked up with this guy because Ken Flo's the man. He's always got to connect. And the dude's like, yeah, we got him. But 12 or to 8 to 10 to 12 months, I'm like, yeah. what the f- I'm too impatient for that. So Kenny recommended these. These are one of the few brands I've never tried. Uh, I'm excited. The hop- minute I hop off here, I'm going to go to my garage. I'll maybe post some videos of me working the hands a little bit just so people know that, you know, your boy's got it still <laughs> with this whole age of me. Yeah, I mean, maybe you can invite the Anakin Florian podcast to collaborate on your content so we can start to show our listenership. Sure. Because people just don't get it. Like when I told some fighter in Jacksonville that you were 6'3", they almost said, like, I got to believe, I got to see that to believe it. Like, (laughs) yeah, I'm a bit like we talked about this a week or two ago. I'm a big, big, thick boy. Yeah, I have a a baby face. So people are a little like, oh, you know, he's probably this or not. No, you know, my mom's six foot. So we got it runs in the family. So we're good. We call you Big Gun. I've given yeah. out a few nicknames over the years. I the, the most recent nickname I've given out actually Michael Eves, Emmy Award winning Sports Center anchor, and you'll yeah. see him actually this weekend anchoring our coverage at UFC 290. But he's from Kentucky, and so I call him Big Kentucky. And he's like, nice. I've never had a nickname, and he fucking loves it. You know, I love like, it too. We could call you Big Cincinnati or something like that, but <laughs> oh, you're no. already Big Gun. The gloves are yeah. branded like you already have it's a nickname. Branded. It's it's so. in there. It's in there. I'm talking with my tattoo artist right now. I'm I'm getting this sleeved up. We're working on it. And I'm thinking maybe on the other side, just in between like long sections, he can throw like a big gun on me or something like <laughs> that. Just get some brain on the other side. Uh, I love it. You know, Cody Don, the nickname on it. See, I have such a growing up. Petrie was my last name. So everyone called. No one calls me Brian. Everyone called me Petrie, which I loved. Right. I, I didn't care. You can call me whatever you want. So it was kind of dope when Cody dropped that nickname on me. Cause I'm like, fuck, I finally got one. There it is. Cause you can't nickname yourself or right. I would, but you can't. Right. So yeah. no, that's true. Cody's actually pretty good. Knows his name around a nickname, knows his way around a nickname. He, he credited, he gets credit for uh, Dark Horse, Chris Dark Horse Dawkus. Uh, like that. Chris hasn't adopted it like on Fight Night, but he uh, he has subscribed to the I Dark feel like Horse the backyard thing. shed you came up with, Johnny. The oh. backyard shed. I wish you would adopt that. That's great. Yeah. Alir Latifi is the goddamn yeah. backyard shed. All right, so a lot to get to. <laughs> UFC 290 coming up in a few days. I just want to sort of put a bookend on the UFC Fight Night stuff with Brian Petrie or Petrie, as he is often referred. And I also want to talk to you about your boy, Chris Curtis, injecting yeah. his name into the conversation to try to get that spot against Jack Della Maddalena. Now, if mm-hmm. you don't know, Sean Brady was forced out of this 
slot against Jack Della at UFC 290. Staff infection. Brady ended up in the hospital. We wish him an expeditious recovery. Uh, but Jack Della essentially called for any 170 or 185-pound fighter to step up. And there were a handful of fighters that did step up, some mm-hmm. publicly, some privately. Your guy, Chris Curtis, who we were thought was going to sit out for a while. Then he goes and yeah. accepts the fight in September, and now he wants yeah. this one. Uh, it looks like they're going to give it to an undefeated newcomer uh, with some LFA experience, but mm-hmm. the King of Combat certainly put his name in the hat. Yeah, he did. I talked to I talked to him about this. I talked to him when he when he signed the fluffy fight. I said, so you just like are just taking the hardest fights possible, right? We're just not taking time off. You're getting a guy who's on. And he just said to me, he's like, I like the matchup. He's like, I'm finally not fighting someone six fucking two. And he's going to come forward. He's like, I'm not worried about his wrestling. I like this fight for me. So that gave me confidence. Didn't talk to him the Jack Della Milano fight, but that just makes sense. That's Chris. I mean, I've told this story before. Chris was eating a buffet at a local show someone goes hey does MD want to fight heavyweight he's like sure i will this is amateur days pops in destroys his heavyweight in a matter of seconds the guy not even joking shit his pants in the cage because he was so surprised chris jumped on him like that that's just his mentality this guy has um i'm glad he didn't take the jack della milano fight because i mean that would have been really fun for the fans but i have i mean three named jack is is my guy he's up there i think he's really good but another ohio guy uh josiah harrell ohio guy ohio boy he's popping in there so uh good for him and and chris has some nice words like hey i got my notice i got my call up on 24 hours notice this changes lives hopefully this can change this uh, young man's life so that's good DraftKings Sportsbook Kenny does have a line on the new fight for Jack Della Maddalena minus 950 against the newcomer Josiah Harrell who is plus 600 so Jack Della goes from minus 170 or so against Sean Brady to now being prohibitively favored against this Josiah Harrell Kenny I tweeted about this over the weekend oftentimes we see these high profile slots open up and you don't know promotionally how they're going to proceed, right? They're giving Jack Della Maddalena a guy who's never fought in the UFC instead of somebody who might be in the top 15, right? But Joaquin Buckley is a good example to bring up here. He was on the Anakin Florian podcast a few weeks ago, realized some success at 85, but clearly in the UFC, welterweight is the best division for Joaquin Buckley. But that means he can't necessarily step up on short notice and get his body down to 171. So even though maybe he had interest in this fight and Jack Della had interest in Joaquin Buckley, Joaquin Buckley can't make the weight. And like Kenny, I know you compete in a different era, but there's no way you can make 56 with like 11 days notice in your fighting prime. And I don't know if I'm asking a question (laughs) or if I'm just making a comment, but high-profile slots are going to keep materializing, and the fighters who compete closer to their natural weight and stay ready are the guys who potentially can throw their names in that. Absolutely. There's a couple things, right? It, it depends on how ready they actually are, and it also depends on what stage of your career you're at. Are you a guy that is just starting? Are you a guy that has, has a few fights and you're trying to establish yourself in the division and get people to kind of be aware of you? Or are you already a well-established elite fighter in the top 10 or top five? Um, you know, I would say the guy in the top five, top 10 mm-hmm. probably doesn't need to take that fight. It probably isn't wise to take that fight because you're already at the top of the ladder and every little thing matters if you're talking about fighting the elite. Maybe not so in the middle of the pack of the division and other guys, but like, I don't know, taking those fights, taking the right fights, taking the right opportunities um, and at the right times really matters. Like I, I think like when I took a fight on like maybe three weeks notice against Dean Thomas, that was a critical point in my career. Like I was trying to get a new contract. I was trying to get my name out there a little bit more. I wanted to fight, you know, a top level talent. Uh, who I, you know, Dean Thomas, I considered him that. He was around the sport for a long time. So for me, that was a huge point. If I didn't say no, or if I did, if I said no to that fight, my my whole career could have been completely different. So how you take these and when you take those is so important, man. It is interesting. And even if your career, Kenny, wouldn't have been totally different had you not accepted that fight, unequivocally, it would have been different in some way, shape, or form. I just think it's an interesting conversation because in the case of Chris Curtis, Bry, Mm -hmm. he's a middleweight. And they wanted to keep Jack Della competing at 170 pounds. The kid he's fighting, I think, plies his trade as a lightweight 
at right. least some of the time. So yeah, right. Yeah, he's a one fifty five er. Dennis Bazook, who you know we we all know and love, he is a forty five er. He's like, I want in UFC. I'll take the fight. Right. I saw him on Twitter. That makes sense that a fifty five er is popping up. Josiah just fought. It kind of went viral. He double legged uh, his opponent through the cage door. I don't know if you guys saw that. And the fight had to get stopped. No. That was yeah, that was the most recent fight. So 155 going up to 70 makes sense. He's a thick kid. Um, but yeah, Chris stays at 185 because he's getting a little older. He, most of his career is at 170, but he did that so he can take short notice fights. I mean, the guy's 192. I mean, maybe 200 if he gets really fat, but he likes being able to cut a little bit of weight, get that 85. That's what got him in the UFC with the Phil Hall's fight. Uh, and then he took the Brendan Allen fight on short notice as well. So Yes, I'm, I agree with you, though. That is a big point that I make a lot of times, too. I think fighters should stay closer to the natural weight. Uh, I think that just makes the most sense um, so they can take fights on short notice. And then when you get an established career or whatever, then you're like, OK, I can fight wherever I want. I call the shots now. Some people are saying it's too bad we can't get Nate Diaz to step up and face Jack Della Maddalena on short notice. And I'm excited to promote Josiah Harrell and see what he can do. But yeah. I don't know. I was just thinking about a lot of guys. Matthew Semmelsberger's fighting later this month. You know, I mean, the chance to fight Jack Della Maddalena mm-hmm. at International Fight Week is a career changer, a potentially life altering opportunity. And it goes to uh, to one Josiah Harrell. A couple other uh, things I wanted to hit on on UFC Fight Night Strickland versus Magomedov. Nurselton, Ruzaboyev, Benoit Saint-Denis, Michael Morales. I mean, Kenful, you love this Morales kid. What, what were yeah. your thoughts, Kenny, on uh, Michael Morales over Max Griffin? Unanimous decision, 29-28 times three. Yeah, this was one of the ones I got right. I, you know, I was happy that um, you know that that I highlighted the athleticism heading into that fight because that really was the difference. Um, Morales athletically was just superior. Uh, he was stronger. He was faster, really, in every way. Um, and it, it seemed like he went in there very well prepared and also dealing with adversity, you know, getting hit in the eye, having that swelling early. I think he's going to learn a ton from that fight. I'm still high on this kid, man. Mm-hmm. That's a big win. That guy uh, that he faced has a ton of experience. And the fact that he was able to get out there with the win and kind of, I don't want to say, well, he did kind of look like he was more experienced later down mm-hmm. in the fight. He was just making better decisions, but skill-wise, he was just superior. Athletically-wise, he was superior. I think he's going to be in a great position in the future, still a young kid, um, and definitely has a, a, a bright career ahead of him. That might actually be the first Ecuadorian to win a UFC title. Might be Cheeto Vera, might very well be Michael Morales. I was hugely impressed with him. Big spot for Benoit Saint-Denis against one mm-hmm. of the Bonfim brothers, Brian Petrie. Any thoughts on that main card win for uh, the Frenchman <clears throat> Saint-Denis? Yeah, burn me. Burn me bad, man. I had Bonfina in my parlay. I had him straight up as well. I really liked his aggressiveness. I thought Benoit Saint-Denis was hittable, but, man, he came out throwing those kicks. Broke, had to have broke a rib, deaded his arm for sure. I mean, and that's what he said in his post fight. His coaches were like, just kick his arms, make his arms dead, then we take him down. That's what he did. I thought Bonfrey was a little bit better on the ground than he was. He gave up some really big, there's some holes there, some really glaring weaknesses as well. Uh, And Benoit St. Denis just looked like a killer in there. One-way traffic. Um, He took some big shots as well, some of the small moments Bonfrey had. Uh, But back to Michael Morales, real quick, do you guys remember him being that big? He looked huge his back looked like a bag of ropes i'm like when did this kid get so big he looked amazing though but i just i was shocked because max griffin's a good sized kid for 170 i was like whoa like i was i was shocked but yeah yeah same thing did he looked looked like an animal in there i think you're right though michael morales i think it's probably twofold right he's a young man, so yeah. we saw him 20, 21 years old. So some of that mm-hmm. is just age and filling out a little bit yeah. and probably some strength and conditioning as well. Kenny, did you see that Benoit Saint-Denis choke? It's a rear naked choke, not under the chin necessarily. Did you happen to see that fight ending sequence? I, I didn't, man. Unfortunately, so, I'm sorry. I guess I'm just curious like how, and it's hard having not seen the visual evidence, and I'm not trying to throw you under the bus, but like rear naked choke versus neck crank, Tapping when there's pressure on the chin versus underneath that yeah. actually closes off, you know, an artery. Like, what are we talking about here on the yeah, chin so, versus underneath? 
Right. No, great question, man, because, you know, there are a few different ways that you can finish a rear naked choke. Sometimes it is the choke itself, right? That That is like a legitimate excuse to tap. You're going to go to sleep. It's on, you know, uh, the carotid artery of the neck. Some of the arteries are getting cut off. It's shutting off the blood to the brain. You either go to sleep or you tap. Um, the other way is by having it on the chin, on the jaw, you could break someone's jaw. But the thing is, you know, uh, a lot of times it's the pain of the of the hold right you're you're threatening or it's bruising the 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 teeth the mouth the jaw and you decide to tap different thing that's more level of pain and how much you can take it you can tap someone out that way as well um we've seen other guys actually from the body triangle so you're in the kind of the tri- the rear naked choke position but you're putting pressure let's say on the spine or you know maybe you're twisting the neck so sometimes it's more spinal to quote the great mike tyson uh you know that, that it's affecting more of the neck or the spine and you you tap because of that because you're in a funky position or you feel something getting twisted so there are different ways that you can finish I guess in some cases you have to be in that position and sometimes people just tap because they give up uh, and they don't yeah. feel they're going to get out. You know, that's kind of inexcusable and, and, and in uh, my opinion, but sometimes there are legitimate uh, reasons for tapping out, I guess, besides getting actually choked. Yeah. Thank you for that. And Brian, before we spin yeah. this thing forward, featured prelim last weekend, Renat Fakhradinov over mm-hmm. Kevin Lee, 55 <sighs> seconds into the into the fight. So those expecting to see this rejuvenated Kevin Lee, I mean, we didn't yeah. get a lot of fight footage. What were your yeah. thoughts on Fakhradinov with like 20 straight wins or something? So yeah, so Fakhradinov is an absolute stud. I thought we were going to get a little bit better of a Kevin Lee. He was a little lazy in there. His hands were still down low. He got clipped with that right hand, and then and then the power guillotine just put him out. Um, there was no urgency of him. He, it looked like he was like trying to stay calm, but also you got to realize you're in there with a killer because Renat was confident coming forward, and he looks like the real deal. He's big at 170. Is why I know Kevin Kevin Lee is 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 a, a 55 or naturally. I know 165 might be his perfect weight class, but Renat looked big in there. He filled up after the weigh in. And I mean, he's shown he's good everywhere. Stand up good. His right hand was clean. It was no telegraph. Straight right hand was beautiful. And then that that he just jumped right to the choke. Like he's he's a killer. I know a lot of people are like, oh, he's not finishing people. Well, he finished Kevin Lee pretty fucking quick. Yeah. Um, yeah, this dude is is someone definitely to keep an eye out for. 170, man. I've been saying it for a while. 170 is jam pack. Ian Gary, Renat Fuck, Jack Delaman. Well, I mean, we got some really exciting fights for the future. I can't wait. Second half of 2023 is going to be insane. Uh, Sorry, John. I was going to say Kevin Lee looked like he was massive, by the way. But to me, he looked like something was off mentally. Mm. Like, I don't know if he thought he was in a sparring match or something. Like, I don't know what was going on mentally. He just didn't seem right. Like, it. I don't know how many jabs he needed to take to realize he was in a fight. Right. He's been in the UFC before. You know, I, I don't know. Something looked very off to me. And, um, I don't know, man. I it it's it's must be frustrating because you know if you're a part of his camp or used to be a part of his camp, you see the potential. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. physically he's very gifted, but he's just not putting together. He's actually regressing, which yeah. is which is very concerning. So uh, that was tough to see Kevin Lee lose like that uh, yeah. under those circumstances. Obviously facing a tremendous fighter uh, in in that one, but um, I don't know. Something didn't seem right to me with Kevin Lee competing that night. Yeah, Kevin Lee, former UFC interim lightweight title challenger. Maybe it was the apex messing with him. I know he had complained during fight week about competing in that setting, but hugely competitive night for bonuses. Elvis Brenner and Guram Kutataladze get in the fight of the night. That shit was just insane. Performance bonus winner Sean Strickland and Nurselton Ruzaboyev. Amazing that Renov Fakhradinov did not get a performance bonus. But again, a lot of competition, right? Yep. We just talked to Chepe Matascal on Monday, and uh, hopefully there's something in the mail for that gentleman. But we got to spin it forward. UFC 290 is going to be epic. International Fight Week 2023, just a few days away. Championship doubleheader. Will the all-timer Alexander Volkanovsky remain the man, or will the interim champion Yair Rodriguez usher in a new era at featherweight? Well, you can place your bets not now, but right now for UFC 290 on DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, and new customers can bet just $5 to get $150 in bonus bets instantly. Everyone can take the action to the next level as well with DraftKings Same Fight Parlays. You string together 
multiple bets from the same fight for a shot at an even bigger payout. A lot of different ways to attack the board this weekend, and our handicappers are moments away from sharing their expertise. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code AFPOD. New customers can bet just $5 on UFC 290 to get $150 in bonus bets instantly only this Saturday on DraftKings Sportsbook with code AFPOD. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Massachusetts, 800-327-5050, or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Tennessee and Kansas, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. In West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.com. Sports terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash MMA terms. So for some people, gambling may be a problem for this room. It's a solution. Hey. A solution for me during this major league baseball season where we continue to hit them straight before we get into our main event challenge. And I update the standings. We do have a pronunciation of the week for you. Ladies Ooh, and here we go. Today. All right. Tired of snooty wines and their old wine culture. Confused by words like malolactic fermentation. Yeah, we are too. So with 19 Crimes, you can do the fancy-schmancy tilt-sip-smell routine, or don't. 19 Crimes is the rebel of wine and culture, telling the stories of rogues and rule-breakers who overcame adversities. From convicts banished to Australia, to the legendary icon Snoop Dogg himself, 19 Crimes wine is defiant by nature, bold in character, and always uncompromising. 19 Crimes the official wine of UFC. Pick up in stores nationwide or online at 19crimes.com. Enjoy responsibly. 2024, Sonoma, California. This one's a doozy. So this fighter is one half of the first fight of the night. He faces Kamuela Kirk in the lightweight division, represents Killcliff FC, South Florida, USA. He's making a second UFC appearance this weekend. Sure. First name, Esteban. Brian Petrie, who's the fighter I'm talking about, kid? Yeah, so you said this one's a doozy. Now you're throwing me through a fucking loop because I think I'm going to nail it here. I'm going to put a little little, uh, little Spanish on this one. We got uh, Esteban Rebovics. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can crush that. Rebovics? Rebovics? No, right? Okay, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Esteban Rebovics. Esteban Rebovics. Oh, that's... I can't roll my time and that. Yeah, I can't do that. That's just impossible for me. That's a hit. You put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. (laughs) So Kenny used to be like employed in the foreign language language space, right? This is an Argentine fighter, right? Mm -hmm. And he says, right? He -hmm. puts a D on the front end, right, Kenny? But it's sort of part of the role. So the reason I brought this file to the masses today and again, perhaps Kenny will correct us, but we didn't, we said Rebovix on the broadcast, like Rebovix, like you roll mm-hmm. it if you can, but we don't add that D. And Cody, if you can re-rack the file for me one time, like if you hear him say it, he almost adds like a D to mm-hmm. the front end. Esteban Rebovix. Esteban Rebovix. Like Kenny, yeah. what am I supposed to do with that fucking D on the front it, of his name? Yeah, it's not a D. It's not. It, it's a re, re, re. So it's just the rolling of the R. So you, you're correct in how you're saying it, Rivovics, but it's more, oh, it's just man. like the rolling of the R and uh, instead of Ribovics, Rivovics. So, it, you know, you'll see the accent. I don't I don't see the accent there over the O, but um, in, in any case, yeah, you know, you are correct. And a lot of it also is, you know, the the how they say it you know there's there's different accents and how you roll the r's but you're you're definitely not um you know you don't have to say re rebovix uh, you could say rebovix yeah. yeah i mean it sounds so good when you say it but it does it if does. you put yourself in my shoes right and forgive my ignorance right i failed french 101 and 102 <laughs> and cheated in french 201 right 
<laughs> but like I get that file and he's like a Dribovix. And I'm like, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do with that key on the front end? You know? By the way, how about John? Before it was at Kutate Latse. Like yeah. he, he he riffed off like three or four really last tough names, names that yeah. were so fucking tough. Yeah. And he just made it look like, yeah, you know, this guy, the other guy. Casual. Yeah, well, I don't know yeah. how he does it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of practice, a lot of repetitions. All right, let's update those standings. Team Ooh. Florian led it by $675 going into UFC fight. Now, you both went three and three, but as we sort of alluded to, because Ismael Bonfim was minus 315, and Melissa Gatto, you guys could have had that one as well, but she was minus uh. 200. So both ended up in the red, minus 315 for Ken Flo, minus 215 for Brian Petrie, had a two-unit whack on Grant Dawson. Nice job by both of you on the main event, Brian. Really good job on the co-main. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I I dialed Grant Dawson a lot, and I just I thought that he was going to do exactly what he did. I think he's just such a specialist at this point. Um, and my big hit came from Strickland. I almost texted a group chat and was like, I'm putting everything on Strickland. Uh, I told the good friend of the podcast, uh, Evan Lagoria, I said, put everything on Strickland. I just had a feeling good. that he was going to do that. It was a four-unit four hit for me on the week which kind of saved my night because I, you know, I, I, I put a lot in the parlay, but yeah, uh, decent little reads on the co-main and main event for your boy, which I'm, which I'm happy B- about. BP, well, uh, you know, it, I don't think Gatto did herself any favors, yeah. but what do you think of, what do you think of that decision? Cause I, I thought Gatto won. I, yeah. I think first round, it wasn't emphatic. Like she, she did some things that I think hurt her a little bit, but yeah. uh, what do you think of that decision? Yeah, I had got to win in my group chat. My couple of my buddies who, who gambles well, they had they had Lipsky, but they also bet at Lipsky. So that's yeah. also like a green color. I thought Gatto did enough. I mean, you're not going right. to hear me run to the you know robbery or anything like that. But I thought she did enough. But I also thought she looked a little rusty. I thought that year away kind of hurt her. I think she didn't really kind of get in the gear. Um, I would like more kicks. You know, that front kick she has is devastating. But uh, I think Lipsky looked good as well. I mean, the Amanda yep. Nunes training down there has really changed their career for sure. Um, better. Yeah, I thought Gatto won, but again, I'm not going to, you know, there's no tweet coming from me about that one. Let's just but let that. us be yeah. clear. This year during this main event challenge, when you guys have hit fights, right, it mm-hmm. seems like you hit them going away. And when you lose them, it seems like you're on the wrong end of like every close, close. fight all it's year. It's crazy. So the updated standings. Team Florian minus twelve forty-five. Team Petrie is minus eighteen twenty. As we come up on UFC two ninety, Volkanovski versus Rodriguez. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas. For me, it's nice to get that Hall of Fame induction ceremony out of the way, so then I can put all of my focus on uh, on the fights. But I'm excited to chop this up with you guys today, and uh, we are going to start with a prelim fight live on ABC and ESPN at two hundred and five pounds. We're actually picking this fight instead of picking the Jack Della Maddalena fight today, as he is fighting a UFC newcomer, Jimmy Crute minus one fifteen. Alonzo Metafield is minus 105. Immediate rematch, guys, of a fight that took place back at UFC 284 in February in Perth. They fought to a draw, and Brian Petrie, both fighters believe that this was the right course of action to run it back, and uh, that's what they'll do this weekend. On which side do you fall? Yeah, so I see a lot of MMA Twitters early. Guys I respect are all over Jimmy Crute. They're already loading up at the low number. He was a pick him early this week. He's climbed a little bit, or when the line opened, excuse me. Um, man, I don't know. The first fight, he got dropped three times. The only thing that saved him was takedowns. I mean, we can't question the guy's heart, but this was a guy that came in the UFC and everyone thought was kind of next up. And then he had a string of bad losses. And with Menafield, who I know is getting better and, and cardio is a problem, takedown offense has been a problem, but he's getting better. He's sledged hammers on his you know on his hands um but it jimmy kurt's been a little bit of a disappointment i'm gonna go ahead and say it i, I think he's been a little bit of a this is a fight that he should win by taking the fight down and using his superior grappling submissions but he didn't really show that in the first fight it was more of a brawl menafield power out of a lot of those positions which shouldn't really happen if you're really crisp on the ground and i feel like crude is now coming in looking looking to kind of bang it out look for the fun fight right um, with that being said, I'm going to go Jimmy Crude. I don't have a strong opinion on this fight. I'm going to go Crude just because I do think he's the more well-rounded fighter. I think he can land some takedowns. And if he fights smart without the the brute Crude, you know what I mean, the brute mindset, you know what I mean, I think he can get this done. But uh, I'm not sleeping on Menafield. But, uh, again, I'm a, I'm a little m- m- lukewarm on this fight, if I'm being yeah. honest. 
No, I think that's fair. I think relative to expectations, Jimmy Crude at 4-3-1 and one in the UFC has underachieved. He's still just 27, long on potential. Mm-hmm. On the other side, the unbeaten streak for Alonzo Menafield, Kenny, is now three fights, only lost once since 2020. But he is 35 years of age, taking on the younger party, Jimmy Crute, who is 27. No denying Menafield's found a kinship with Pat Barry. That has paid dividends. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts, Kenny, on this immediate rematch at light heavyweight? And will you have a selection? Yeah, this is a tough one. I think this is good matchmaking here because they're very similar in that both fighters will allow their opponents to try to win this fight. And if they don't win the fight, then they kind of find a way to kind of battle back. And, you know, I I think there might be a few of those opportunities that both those guys will give up to the other guy. And that's what makes it a little tricky as far as picking because Crute, I think from a skills perspective is the better guy um you know but uh like Brian said um you know will he fight smart if he fights smart he should win I haven't seen him fight smart yet that's the thing you know even in his wins you're like what are you doing just you had the fight why are you doing Mm -hmm. why are you standing up with him or why are you going to the ground unnecessarily it's just like some of the decisions he makes they're just head scratchers but um, I don't know. Hopefully, you know, a little bit of this time off, a little bit of this uh, ability to kind of think about his game um, is going to allow him to go out there and actually uh, utilize his skills or lead with his skills in this fight. And if he does that, he should win. But Menafield isn't going to be easy to go away either. But I like Crew here uh, as well. The Bendigo bomber Jimmy Crew needs a hmm. W. We'll see if he can get it against Alonzo Menafield. Actually, last win for Jimmy Crew October of 2020. Wow. All right, next up, featured prelim in the welterweight division, Nico Price, minus 260. Robbie Lawler is plus 220. This is being billed as the final walk for the now 41-year-old ruthless Robbie Lawler. He'll be inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame on Thursday, his fight against Rory McDonald. And I believe he will be there in person to accept on Thursday night in the middle of his weight cut, which is a pretty cool thing. It'll be Lawler's 25th UFC appearance, last fought during International Fight Week 2022, a TKO loss to Brian Barberina. Nico Price, you may recall, competitive against Phil Rowe last time out, but uh, ended up getting finished there in round three. Petrie, who do you got yes. here? Nico Price, Robbie Lawler. Man, I love me some Bob Lawler. I mean, some of the greatest moments ever in UFC. I mean, when Nick Diaz knocked him out, and that was the emergence of Nick Diaz back in the day and all his stuff that he did outside the UFC as well. It's just, I mean, incredible. He knocked someone out in Hawaii, and, and the guy's family jumped in the ring against him. I mean, that's, that's just legendary MMA stuff. I'm surprised he's only 41. But, yeah, he looked good against uh, a Nick Diaz who did not look good. Nick Diaz didn't want to be there. But he didn't look so good against Barbarina, who I picked Bobby, uh, Robbie Lawler win. I thought he would win that fight. Barbarina's hittable. Robbie just kind of crumbled. Nico Price, same situation. Nico's mixing up more. He is a big, strong guy. He likes to mix it to the ground as well. He likes to bang on the feet. His striking, I don't think, is all that great. He's very pushy, and he's hittable, and he can be knocked out. I mean, he's been knocked out before in the UFC. Is coming off a knockout. And when you're hanging plus 215, and I've been a UFC fan for so long. Uh-huh. I'm not picking against Robbie Lawler. Listen, take my money. I'm going to bet this fight because a lot of people are like, oh, you're picking with your heart. Give us winners. I'm putting my own money on the line at plus 215 that Robbie Lawler is going to get it done. I would love for no more than him to go out on a high here. I do think this is a good matchup for him. I do think if he's motivated and aggressive, he can come out and he can win this fight for sure. But it's going to be tough because I don't know where his motivation at considering what he did in the Barbarina fight. Give me right. Bob Lawler, plus 215. This is a bet I'm, I'm playing, and uh, hopefully we come out on top with uh, with his swan song here. Uh, love me some Lawler. Kenny, I was a little bit surprised at the spread here. The number next to Robbie Lawler is plus 220. Nico Price is 7-6 and six with a pair of no contests in the UFC. Just one win since 2019, but nonetheless – Pretty heavy favorite here against Robbie Lawler. I understand Lawler is 41. I thought Price showed. I love the kid, but next to no defensive responsibility at all against Phil Rowe. Your thoughts on Price here near 3-1 to one against ruthless Robbie Lawler? Yeah, you know, um, that, that's the big problem for me with Nico is that, you know, he goes 
chin up in the air, starts swinging, gets a little crazy. Um, sometimes we'll play a clinch-heavy game, which mm-hmm. I think will serve him well here against Robbie Lawler. But do I see him taking down Robbie Lawler um, and, and consistently doing that with control? I don't. Um, I think it's going to be another kind of crazy fight. And you know, like BP, if, if you're giving me plus 225 of Robbie Lawler being involved in one of those last fight uh, you know, uh, of his career – He's gonna find he's gonna find Nico Price's chin at some point. Uh, Nico is tough as nails. I love the kid. I love the way he fights. He's just every time I've met him, he's been super nice. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of value with with Robbie here, um, just because of the nature of how Nico fights. I think he, you, you're you're gonna keep that door open with a guy like Robbie Lawler with his power, and I think he'll still have that. I don't think he has the speed anymore. I don't think he has the ability to string together. Um, high volume combinations or anything like that, but Robbie can still put you out. And I think that's where Nico really has to be careful. I think there's a little bit too much value on Robbie Lawler at this stage of the game uh, with Nico at minus 265, a little high for me. Uh, so I'm with Brian on this one. I thought I thought he was going to take Nico, no. but uh, Brian's too smack how for many, that. How many kids does Nico Price have? Because Robbie Lawler has one, so he's got a lot of energy. Uh, how many does yeah. Nico have? He's got a lot. He's six? I was going to set the total at five and a half. I think and it's I was going to go over. I think he has yeah, six. I think he has five. I remember yeah. back in the day it was five, and it's like, bro, what are we doing here? My six. dad comes from 10, 10 brothers and sisters, and his dad and mom were tired all the time. So I, I mean, that's a lot. That's I, had a a colleague, lot I had a colleague at ESPN. He had Ted Williams' <sighs> number nine tattooed on his body because wow. I thought he was one of nine kids, and he was like, no. I'm number nine of 15, Ooh. all for the same mom who was pregnant for 150 months. Of wow. Next up on the main card at lightweight, 10th ranked Jalen Turner is modest 240 against number 11, Dan Hooker, who comes back plus 200. As you guys know, this fight was to happen earlier this year at UFC 285 in March. Hooker forced out due to injury. Mataj Gamrot stepped in, beat Jalen Turner by split decision. Now it shall be done. Hooker, last time out, big stoppage win over Claudio Poyes at UFC 281. I was on a big card, Bri. Really, mm-hmm. he needed that win last year, and that set up this fight against Jalen Turner. Does he get his 13th UFC win, or do you like the tarantula? So I took a hard look at Dan Hooker because his life is really ironing out. He's no longer a gym owner. He's focusing on himself. He, you know, he used to teach classes all day and then train at night. He's no, he's just focusing on himself. He looked good against Claudio Pulis, and I think we're going to get a little bit of a wrestler. There's going to be D1 Dan Hooker in there. I think he's going to want to take uh, Jalen Turner down because we saw what Gamrock can do, and Jalen Turner um, is okay off his back, but primarily stagnant, and then. Take down the fence has been a little bit of an issue in his career. But I the the fan of me wants it to be stand up. Both these guys are long. Both these guys do have good stand-up. Uh Jalen Turner is nasty on the feet. He is a little bit hittable. Uh, but Dan Hooker's so susceptible to body kicks and kicks in general. So I'm really interested to see how it plays out on the feet. I think Dan Hooker will switch it up and wrestle a little bit. But I'm high on Turner. I think Turner gets his done here. I don't know if he finishes Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker's very tough. But I think Turner is going to stop some of the takedowns. It's not like Dan Hooker is a world-class wrestler. Um, I think he's going to stop those takedowns. I think he's going to be nasty in the clinch. And I think when they when they uh, fight at um, distance, I think Jalen Turner is the better fighter there as well. Um, I think it's going to be a close fight, though. So sprinkling on minus or plus 210 for Dan Hooker by decision, maybe split decision, which will be extra juicy, isn't the craziest thing in the world. But I do like Jalen Turner in this fight. All right, Jalen Turner minus 240. Dan Hooker with all the new ink is plus 200. Ken Flo, which way are you going? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, that that usual reach advantage that Dan Hooker has in his fights where he can expose guys on the feet is not going to be here against Jalen Turner. And that's my big concern for him because as, as Brian mentioned, you know, he may try to take him down, but will he take him down? Uh, I, I don't think so. I, I think Jalen Turner learned a lot from that last fight against Gamrot. Gamrot didn't easily take him down necessarily, mm-hmm. but he did control him pretty easily. And I don't see him taking him down easily at all. I think Turner uh, is huge for the division, like Hooker. I think he's um, going to be able to outstrike Dan. Um, and I, I, I'm not sure he finishes him. He could finish him, but I, I think he's going to be able to outpoint him. I think Turner is a guy that is growing and getting better, um, and I'm high on him. 
And I, I like this matchup for him. I think this is great matchmaking here. Dan Hooker is very skilled, but sometimes he goes in there a little too tentative uh, with his with the strikes and doesn't throw a whole lot of volume. I think he's in an interesting dilemma here because if he goes in there tentative and tries to be too technical, he allows Turner to take over. If he goes in there very aggressive, I think Turner is the heavier hitting guy uh, and it opens himself up. So I think this is a tough one for Dan. I would love to see him do well, but I think Turner's going to be a little bit too good, a little bit too big, and a little bit too technical here. Ken Flo was there in Auckland, New Zealand when Dan Hooker made his UFC debut back in 2014. You can tell Ken Flo's got a little soft spot for Dan Hooker. And clearly, to your point, Kenny, the matchmaking, right? They liked this fight so much they put it together twice. We'll see how it plays out live on pay-per-view this weekend. And we will go right back to Ken Flo now. Featured bout at middleweight, former champ Robert Whitaker, minus 390 versus Drakus Duplessis, who is plus 320. Duplessis desiring to go through Whitaker to get to the title fight. You've got to admire that. But man, does this figure to be a challenge, Kenny, given the matchup. The thought of either of these guys turning around to face Izzy in eight or nine weeks is just insane. But first things first, your thoughts on Whitaker, Kenny, a near four to one favorite here against the South African Drakus Duplessis. Yeah, I, I think that Robert Whitaker's wrestling is, is going to be the key to victory here, right? I, I think it's pretty obvious for everyone watching this because, uh, you know, Drickus Duplessis, uh, his pacing, his conditioning, it is impressive, um, but his technical ability um, is really not, not not being offensive here. But like, I, I think that, you know, if you're going against someone like Whitaker, who has been at this a very long time, who is one of the most technical fighters, most well-rounded fighters uh, in the UFC, you have to have something skill-wise to really test him. Thankfully, Drickus Duplessis is extremely tough. He's extremely durable. He will push through some very bad spots, but Whitaker has been there as well. This isn't a uh, a three-fight veteran in Robert Whitaker. He's been around the block and back many, many times. Obviously, former world champion here. So I, I, I think this is a very difficult fight for Drickus Duplessis. I don't see him winning this unless Whitaker is sick or injured, I just don't see him winning this. Um, and I, I think I'm so confident in this one that I'm willing to put five a five bet unit on Robert Whitaker oh. just because I think um, I don't know. I, I just, unless some fluke things ha- fluke thing happens, um, and even then, Duplessis maybe he lands some flying knee or something, but he doesn't have the power in his hands. He doesn't have the submission skills. He Whitaker's just so good everywhere, man. I, I I don't see it happening. So Whitaker plus five. Five unit smacker on Robert Whitaker for Kenny Florian. That's $1,950 to yield 500. And I talked earlier in the week, Brian, suggested yeah. that if Drakus Duplessis beats Whitaker and Adesanya back-to-back mm-hmm. in a nine-week span, it's the most <laughs> impressive thing we've ever 100%. seen in martial right. arts. Mm-hmm. Duplessis is 29 years of age. He is 5-0 and in the UFC. And there have been big wins, undeniably. Brad Tavares, Darren Till, Derek Brunson. None of those guys is Robert Whitaker, who makes his 20th UFC appearance here. 15-4 and four for Whitaker in the big show. And his only losses in the last nine and a half years have come mm-hmm. against the last style bender, Israel Adesanya. Mm-hmm. So with that backdrop, your thoughts on Whitaker Duplessis and ultimately who takes it? Well, that was my five-unit play as well. <laughs> Kenny just ripped a ray from under me. So retroactively, I do want to put five units on Bo Nickel now, if we can do that, Johnny, <laughs> please, because I don't want to go five units. Listen, for the people that are listening, load up responsibly, load up on Robert Whitaker, because I'm like Kenny. I Listen, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I think Drew Dreckus Duplessis kind of talked his way into this with some of the controversial things he said. Is he kind of pissed? Is he off? Whatever. Because the guy is just okay, right? He, he, that's the truth. And I know he had the nose surgery and he, the air and everything, but he's just okay. He blitzes in. It's not the most impressive stand-up. He might hit hard, but he's not one-touching anybody. His wrestling is good. It's not great. I mean, you're beating a Darren Till who – quit the UFC after that fight. You're beating Derek Brunson, who's one foot out the UFC. Um, you know, you're beating Marcus Prez, who's no longer in the promotion. You're beating these guys great, and your toughness is taking you there. Your cardio, the willing willingness to push. But this is Robert Whitaker. This is Bobby fucking Knuckles. This dude is the best middleweight not named Israel Adesanya. 
point blank period. I don't care what other promotion is going to say. Well, we got the no, no, no. This is the guy not named Israel Adesanya. And if Izzy wasn't here, he'd be the champion. Uh, his striking's fast. His wrestling's good. His cardio is unbelievable. His toughness on point. His mental's good. I think he absolutely walks through Drekus Duplessis here. I don't know if we're going to finish because we've all commented how tough he is, but I think he's going to show levels, levels, levels above here. And uh, it's Bobby Knuckles all day. Give me Robert Whitaker. And one storyline that you're going to hear us hammer is this deviated septum surgery yeah. that Drake's Duplessis had seemingly around the time that he accepted this fight. So uh, I know a lot of you fighters are much tougher than me. You break your face and Kyle Dawkins is back training like three or four weeks later. But in terms of the timeline, I would imagine Duplessis would have liked to have had more time, even though he will not admit as much to my face in the fighter meeting. <laughs> All right. Co-headliner for the UFC Flyweight Championship, Brandon Moreno now minus 200. Alessandre Pantoja plus 170. Some pretty significant line movement over the last 72 mm -hmm. hours. We've seen Moreno go from minus 170 to minus 200 on DraftKings Sportsbook. The history is a huge part of this. So Pantoja defeated Brandon Moreno on the Ultimate Fighter by submission in 2016. Mm -hmm. Then he beat Moreno by unanimous decision. It was May 19th, 2018. 30 to 26 was the consensus scorecard. Mm -hmm. That first round, a 10-8, according to most, for Alessandre Pantoja. But since then, Moreno has only gone 7-1-2 and two and been involved in five straight championship fights. Bry, as great no. as the rivalry between Figueredo and Moreno was, this is absolutely a rivalry in its mm -hmm. own right. I can't wait to see how this fight plays out because Pantoja might be one of the best pound for pound, for pound fighters in the yeah. world that nobody seemingly is talking about. Your thoughts on the co-main event? Yeah, Pantoja's won me a lot of money. For some reason, a couple, like a year and a half ago, some of these fights, he was falling really low. And he's done it with his hands. I think he is phenomenal on the ground. His jiu-jitsu is very good, especially when he takes your back. His rear naked choke is very, very good. But he's setting these wins up with his hands. And that's what he kind of did in the first or the second Moreno fight. Moreno, though, I've watched them both back a lot. Moreno is not the same fighter. Pantoja's gotten better. But Brandon Moreno's gotten a lot better and by more confident in his hands. And he's willing to exchange his kicks are there. He didn't really have kicks the second time they fought. The first time they fought, he was the last ranked guy in the tournament on the Ultimate Fighter. Like he is known for his, he started in jiu-jitsu. Now he's starting to become a well-rounded mixed martial arts. He's got a whole camp dedicated to him. And the first fight, the second fight, excuse me, the first fight in the UFC, the second fight, it was he just didn't throw enough volume. He wasn't landing enough strikes. And I think that's what this fight's gonna play out. Pantoja gives up a lot of takedowns. Moreno lands some takedowns he did in their second fight. I don't know if he wants to play that game. I think he can stay on the feet. Pantoja very fast, very uh, mobile with his feet. But Moreno has a good way of cutting the cage off, throwing good kicks, good hands, and confident. You know, he's feeling himself in there, which I love. Um, if it gets to the ground, I think Pantoja is a, a little bit better, but it's not like Brandon Moreno is a fish out of the water. Minus 180 is a generous line. I like that line from Moreno. This was another one that I really struggled on who was going to pick. Once I dove into the tape and listened to this old Midwestern gut, I went, oh, it's Moreno retaining here. Um, I think he's going to look pretty good doing it as well. All right, minus 180 no longer available on DraftKings Sportsbook on Brandon Moreno. We'll see where the line closes. Kenny, Pantoja actually replaced Ray Borg in that spot in Chile back in 2018 when they fought officially in the UFC and Pantoja six and two since that fight he's never been finished in 30 fights as an MMA pro and I feel like in terms of the best fighters casual fans haven't heard of Pantoja might be the pound for pound king now's sure. his opportunity to lean into that Morano fan base and get it and get the world title Kenny your thoughts on the Pahumpinia train Pantoja in his first UFC title fight this weekend yeah, I think Pantoja definitely has gotten better. Uh, you know, is he able to sustain that lead that he had over Moreno way back in 2018? I don't think so. I think that he's a high energy fighter. He's got a lot of different skills. He's very, very good. But I think where Pantoja runs into trouble is when he starts experiencing roadblocks. Um, he tends to kind of not be able to adjust, in my opinion, uh, quite like Brandon Moreno can. And I think that's where he will face uh, some issues here in this fight. I think that there's certain spots where he can outpoint Moreno, but Moreno's going to be there and he's going to 
be in his face. He's going to make adjustments. It's going to be a beautiful dance back and forth, in my opinion. Can he keep up and adjust throughout the fight, though? That's the question. Brandon Moreno has had a lot of title fight experience, a lot of high-level experience as of late, way higher, in fact, than Pantoja. So, This, to me, is a tricky one because there's no question about it. Pantoja is very skilled and he's very dangerous. And if there's a guy that is more likely to get the finish, I actually think it's Pantoja than it is Moreno. However, I'm with BP here. I like Moreno. I like his experience. I like his composure and his ability to adapt, which I think is going to be the difference in this title fight. But it's going to be fun while it lasts. Mm Mm-hmm. And I do think it might get pretty contentious during the week, as some of you will recall when Moreno for a second time became the undisputed champion. Pantoja was all up in his face backstage. Mm-hmm. I'm next. And uh, mm-hmm. Pantoja's next, and he deserves to be next. But we'll see if that uh, gave Moreno a little extra motivation in preparation for this one. All right. That brings us to the final act, International Fight Week 2023 featherweight title unification bout. Alexander Volkanovsky minus 390 against the interim champion, Yair Rodriguez, who is plus 320. So Volk became the man in this division back in December of 2019. He's never lost in the weight class, but of course he moved up to challenge Islam Akashev, and that paved the way for an interim title fight. Yair Rodriguez performed brilliantly that night, and that sets up his shot at the great Volkanovski. No doubt Yair's come into his own. I think he's in his fighting prime. I think as Dominic Cruz says, he's one of one. The question beckons Brian Petrie. Yes. Does he have enough? Can he win this main event and beat Alexander the Great Volkanovsky? No disrespect to other sports. I like, you know, I love my football, but how do you not get fucking pumped up for this? Oh, I am so excited for this fucking fight. Uh, people who do not watch this, I feel bad for you. Listen, the line's crazy. If you're a value boy and you watch a year play a fight, Emmett, you're like three to one. What? Yeah, uh-huh. give me that fucking plus money. I dove deep in, spent all weekend getting the old brain ready. And I think it's going to come down to Volkanovsky's grappling, actually. He did a very grappling-heavy camp with uh, for the Islam camp, and Yair gets taken down quite a bit. He's very good off his back. We saw the Ortega. We saw Emmett. But he does get taken down and get beat up. I think that still is the blueprint here. I think you cannot give um, – yeah, your space with those kicks, how fast he is. You just can't do it. I know Alex is, I watched the countdown show. He's going, hey, people think I'm going to do what you do, but do it better. And he posted a picture of like a spinning kick. I, I hope that's mind games. I think Volkanovski is one of the best pound for pound fighters in the world, right? But let's just not do that, right? I think his volume, his movement is great. I mean, uh, Yair, when he fought Max, he gave up three takedowns to Max. He also got outstruck. I think Volkanovski has that same volume, can outstrike, outstrike a year, but the space and the speed scares me with a year. But I do think Volkanovski is a smart fighter. Joe Osborne's a smart coach. They're going to close it down. They're going to get him to the ground. They're going to rough him up. We've obviously seen Volkanovski's submission defense against Brian Ortega. It's pretty good. Even if you get him in something tight, guy ain't quitting. Uh, so I like Volkanovski here, but I do think the line is – crazy wide uh i think yair has a ton of value for anyone out there i think he's an exceptional fighter but uh i i can't pick against volkanovsky at this point i think he's gonna get it done volkanovsky minus 390 the favorite right now on DraftKings sportsbook kenny some people believe that josh emmett given his physical stature the way he's built and his style would have been a tougher matchup for alexander volkanovsky i don't agree with that um but it seems like a lot of the fighters in Sharps I Trust are all over the place when it comes to this fight mm-hmm. and Yair Rodriguez's chances in it. So uh, I will pass the baton to you, Ken Flo. Your thoughts on this featherweight title unification about to close out International Fight Week 2023. Well, I think the big issue with Yair Rodriguez, and, and I mean this in a good way, is the fact that he's extremely dangerous. And I talk about this every single time I talk about Yair Rodriguez, but his speed is just different. He moves at such a speed that it's surprising every single time I watch him fight. And, you know, if you're talking about his speed, you got to talk about his kicks. Um, He'll throw them. You don't really see him coming. And he is absolutely fearless with what he throws and how he throws it. Um, You know, don't think that Yair is going to be taken or overtaken by the bright lights here in this main event. He will not. He has never shown that. And as he was coming up, I remember watching him and I go, man, he's he's dangerous. He's got a lot of potential. But, you know, it, it, does this pretty boy have uh, durability? Does he have toughness? Does he have a chin? 
Unfortunately for everyone, 145 pounds. Yeah, he does. He huh. really, really does. And that's what makes this such an interesting fight is that from a danger perspective, dude, he is one of the most dangerous at 145 pounds, one of the few that Volkanovsky must absolutely respect as far as getting finished in a professional mixed martial arts contest. Uh, Yair Rodriguez is capable of doing that. Now, I think that's what's going to bring out the best in Volkanovsky, who is so fundamentally sound. He doesn't really make mistakes. Um, you know, th there's certain opportunities that you can take advantage, maybe on the ground if you're a Brian Ortega, but even then, Ortega couldn't finish those spots. And those were about as good as it gets as far as finishing opportunities. Volkanovsky has recognized the fact that he has been susceptible on the ground in the past due to the Ortega fight and all that stuff. And he was working with Craig Jones way back when. Well, mm -hmm. he's been flying Craig Jones to Australia. He's been flying him out to Vegas. He's been working with Craig Jones, who is one of the best in the world when it comes to submission grappling. He's also a fantastic jiu-jitsu coach as well. He's absolutely brilliant. So, you know, the fact that those two Australians have united forces does not bode well for the rest of the division. Um, so I, I think that I don't see him making a whole lot of mistakes. And I agree with Brian. I think a ground game should be a part of the strategy here against Yair Rodriguez, who has shown vulnerabilities positionally on the ground. Submission wise, he's still <clears throat> very dangerous there, but positionally, I think he's vulnerable. And so Volkanovsky. And in regards to taking up space and pressuring someone like Yair Rodriguez, it has to be there. He's got to be in his face. And I think that you have a much better chance of beating Rodriguez when you're in his face and backing him up. And that also will take away his kicking game and also will force Rodriguez into making some unforced errors, in my opinion, uh, because he is very aggressive and, and he, he, he never won't be aggressive. And I think those will throw him off balance, allow Volkanovski to get on top and utilize his ground, uh, ground and pound and <clears throat> position game to win rounds and potentially even finish the fight. So I like Volkanovski here. I just don't see a whole lot of vulnerabilities here. Rodriguez is dangerous, man. And I think his best chance of winning this fight is actually by finishing it. I don't see him outpointing Volkanovsky over the course of five rounds. Give me Alexander Volkanovsky. Tremendously done by both of you gentlemen on that main event. And it really makes me feel good to hear somebody on Kenny Florian's level say about Yair Rodriguez. And this is a direct quote. It's surprising every time I watch him fight of his mm -hmm. speed and of his no. kicking game. Because for me, it's like, dude, every time I watch him fight, I'm like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> it's He's after, like, It's insane. It's every time he fights. And then I see plus 320 next to his name, right? Yeah. And I understand Volkanovski might have the highest fight IQ in the game, game plan, execution, no glaring weaknesses, doesn't make mistakes. He's unchokable. But plus 320 next to an athlete like that is is fundamentally insane. And he's mean, too. He's nasty he's in there. He's yeah. mean. Uh, Brian, do you have any other selections that you would like to give our audience for UFC 290? Just one? Yeah, no. I got Vitor Petrino. I think this kid is a fucking stud, right? Reminds me a lot when I take my shirt off with his body. That's um, right. Yeah, no, he's 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 got takedowns. He's got power. Uh, he's fighting Marcin Prakningal. Prakningal has obviously had a chin problem. He's also got a little bit of a cardio gas problem. You got Vitor at minus 275. That's a multi-unit play right there. Let's go. All right, so you are taking Vitor Petrino minus two seventy five for one unit here for our purposes. Is that right? Well, I, well, I no, that would I, I already did five, so I can't do another. So Enflow last week went with yeah. multiple fights, sure, with more than one unit. So sure. I would, but Bo's so high, so I want to keep all five right. on Bo. Just telling the people at home, listen, if you if you got a fat bankroll and you're looking for spots, because some of these are wide, a lot of these fights can right. get a little wide here. Vitor, minus 275 is a really good play. All right, Brian Petrie, unafraid. Vitor Petrino, minus 275. If you want more from Brian Petrie, he has his own show, the MMA Takes Podcast, and on social media. Mostly Twitter for this guy. Pretty good Instagram yeah. as well. Mostly a Twitter engager, at Brian Petrie MMA. Uh, BP. Enjoy the festivities, my man. We'll see Thanks, you Thanks, boys. Week. Have a good weekend. I'll see you. All see right, you there dude. he is. Brian Petrie with us for the main event challenge. And that wraps our UFC 290 preview. We are back with you 
live on Monday to recap the entire International Fight Week 2023. And don't forget, me and Ken Flo will be live from UFC X for a live episode of the Anakin Florian Podcast this Friday, 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific. Please come see us and say hello. I can't speak for Ken Flo's schedule, but I'm going to hang out for a full hour after that show as well. Uh, so if anybody wants photos or just want to hang out, talk about the show, we will be there and hope to see many of you on Friday. Thank you to Brian Petrie. Thanks to our executive producer, Cody Merrill, for Ken Flom, John Anik. Thank you all for watching on the DraftKings Network, DraftKings YouTube channel, and for listening wherever it is that you do that. We will talk to you in less than seven days. Until then, you'll live. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.